Welcome to another episode of Consider This. I've got uh, Drew Moss from our college ministry, Ryan Vincent from our adult discipleship ministry in the studio today. And uh, we're going to be asking, uh, dealing with a a topic that is actually uh, one of those ones that we deal with on a pretty regular basis. Um, it's, It's about denominations and are they good things or are they bad things? And so, obviously, when we look back um, into the pages of the Bible, we don't see First Baptist Church, First Christian Church, First United Methodist Church. We don't see that. We just seem to see the church. And so, right now, as we kind of hitting into the the Book of Acts, Drew, last Sunday you preached um, on Peter's sermon, and I get to kind of finish that up this week, where there is this response, and three thousand people are added to the church. And so when we open up the book of Acts, we don't see all these different denominations. And so I'm going to begin with you, Drew, and just kind of uh, from the book of Acts, looking at how the church was intended. What should be maybe, um, well, I guess let's ask this, where where did they come from? Like, you know, how did all of these denominations even begin? So help us understand, like, how how did we get from Acts where to they were, today. Acts 1, where they're all together in one accord, yeah. and everyone's gathering together, you know, daily in the temple courts and those things, to now there's churches on every street corner and yep. all these different, yeah. Yeah, um, so how'd we get here? So I think probably a, an oversimplified answer would be, if I, I would boil it down to three things, and, and one is uh, just natural, just okay. like there's just a natural progression as a church spreads and goes into different parts of the world, there's going to be different cultural expressions even of the same truth and and different ways of doing things and there's going to be on some of the smaller matters of scripture and belief there's going to be different beliefs that arise as people are hundreds of miles apart and those things and and so that becomes a big deal the church tries for a long time to keep that all together under under one thing and to keep people under the common faith but that just naturally starts to happen a little bit in some areas um the second thing I would say is sin and the desire for power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that you know, there's just no way around that. Uh, the divisiveness in the church, oftentimes, though. Again, I don't, I don't want to just chalk denominations up to divisiveness, but that's part of it. Yeah, is people who want control and people who want power, and that causes throughout churches, throughout church history, splits. Whether that's the big one. Um, they call it the Great Schism in yeah. 1054, 1054, I believe, you know, or between Eastern and Western, or, or whether that's uh, power plays between popes and kings or, or all those things. That just happens, and it still happens today between ministers and church splits and those kinds of things. And, and then the third thing is honestly probably the Reformation, uh, where for forever the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, tried to keep everything kind of under one leadership, the Pope, and then you had the cardinals under them, and, and this desire to say, hey, um, we will tell you what the faith is, we will tell you what we all believe, we will tell you how we practice this, and you will fall in line under that. And then, Which sounds, you know, when you say it that way, let's yeah. just be honest, yes. right? It sounds like, wow, they are a bunch of, like, religious bullies. Yes, yes. But there can be a well-intended... Totally. We're, we're trying to care for you. Totally. The, the faith has been handed down to us. We're handing it down to you. We're, yeah. we're teaching you accurately. We're this teaching is, you what we believe the scriptures yeah. and what church history to have taught. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is what Paul's doing in a lot of his letters and <laughs> sure. what he's doing with Timothy. Hey, what I, what I passed on to you, you entrust those to reliable men who will then tell those yep. to others and, and yep. make sure that people hold to the faith and sound doctrine. And that's what the Catholic Church is trying to do yeah. when they do that. But, but the Reformation is where people look at this and they go, A, I think we've gotten way off, 
and yet nobody is allowed to even know it because the Catholic Church won't let people read and interpret the Bible for themselves. So nobody's even allowed to see this. Yeah. And and B, that the, the Word is designed for everyone. It's God's gift to us. And so we ought to be able to read it in our own language and to be able to to interpret that as God is speaking to us. Yeah. And so Luther, and like I said, and others work to, yep. to, to allow churches to do that. And one of the predictions was, okay, hey, if you do this, if you start putting the Bible in every man's hands, if you start allowing people to read and interpret as, as, as they're understanding it, that's going to cause a lot of division. And they were right. And I, I think even, I think you could see the reformers even knew that that would happen a little bit, knew that, that that's a risk and that some of that would happen, but that that was a risk that was worth taking because they felt like the church had gotten so far off the rails yeah. uh, where they were. So yeah. Luther didn't, <clears throat> didn't look at his circumstances and say, everything is great. Yes. But I think it could be a little bit better. Yes. He said, no, there are some fundamental problems that we have here. Yeah. And tried to address that with the word. Yeah. And then that is what created a lot of the conflict in the 1500s. And yeah. we end up with the Reformation and now all these splintered groups. Yeah. And it just keeps splintering. So then, Ryan, let me ask you this question, just kind of in a nutshell. Let's kind of, uh, are the different denominations, are they good or bad? Because Drew described a, a natural, but then he said there was sin. And then there is this well-intended, but sometimes well-intended um, ideas can have negative consequences. So um, you've probably heard <clears throat> that one of the reasons why people find the, the message or the mission of the church to be suspect is because they can't get along. And so uh, which denomination is right? And so therefore it kind of clouds what we're trying to accomplish. So therefore when we look at it, should we see them all as all these different denominations as a blight um, as a you know a problem with the with the, as a disease that exists within the Christian church? Um, partially yes, partially no. Okay. Um, I mean what we, we you're right. We don't see denominations in the scriptures. We don't see, you know, United Methodist Church of Jerusalem and First Christian Church of Philippi. But one of the things that we do see is that we see um, as churches are established, they are established in, under an autonomous eldership. Hmm. And what binds them together is one spirit, one faith. It's not as though there is a bishop in Rome, which is truly what the Pope is. It's not as though there is a, a human entity holding these churches together. It's more their the, the spiritual side of their their connectivity that is this they are they one are, lord one faith one going yeah. from the ephesian text right exactly Ephesians exactly four, one lord one faith one baptism and, and so God there and of us there is unity there but there is a plurality and a uh, and a variety in the church that looks like elders in crete versus elders in ephesus and so you have individual congregations which wouldn't have been formally known as denominations but it's not that far removed from the concept of a denomination. So in that sense, denominations, I, I don't think would be inherently wrong. Now where they fail and where I do think that they are uh, at times a blight on the faith is when one denomination, let's do denomination A and denomination B, where they don't have that singular faith, that unity in baptism, that same concept of their Lord, where there is a division there, then I do think that you have at that point probably you probably have one or more likely two <laughs> flawed versions of what this should be it's not the fact that they're different from one another that makes them bad it's that they've deviated from the standard hmm. okay so let's 
I like that actually because then the problem in and of itself is not the separation because Drew, even as you pointed out, like geography does this. Yeah. yeah. Cultures do this. Time, in fact, does yeah. this, right? Yeah, and there's but I mean it's worth kind of pointing out, you know, uh like anthropologists and sociologists will will kind of point out that Christianity has been the most like ethnically geographically diverse religion ever in that it really yeah it, it really can cross and speak to different whereas say like Muslim the, the Muslim faith when it goes into a world it makes that it makes that culture adapt to kind of yeah. Middle Eastern Arabian and not that Christianity hasn't been guilty of that in places sure, sure. but Christianity no, has the ability to move into different cultures which means it's going to have a lot of different expressions right. even within the same country right you know yeah. what I mean? So, yep, yep. Yeah. And I even like to point out that time does this, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, you mean, you know, we when we look at it and we think just geographically, especially where we can get around geographically so easily today, we could probably create more of a unity. Yeah. But how do we unite with a church that's been gone for 500 yeah. years, right? Yeah. I mean, how do we even, um, we can't even kind of re, well, re and, rethink like them. And, and population changes that. Because I would say that we, we share a, a faith and an, and an, an allegiance to our Lord with, say, Eagle Heights down the road. But now you're talking about Sunnybrook at times feels too big for its own good. Yeah. Combine that with another large church in town, and I don't know what we've actually achieved by creating these epicenters of, of singularity. I actually think the, the plurality is a good thing in terms of faith communities being able to live this out together. I don't know that a... I don't know that the most healthy thing in the world is a, a church of twenty thousand. Hmm. So there needs to be. Let, let's take the let's take the name off the table then. So let's say we didn't know of it as denominations, but we just knew of everything as a church, and it wasn't able yeah. to be labeled as Baptist or Methodist or yeah. independent Christian church, as our um, as our persuasion or mm -hmm. convictions are. Um, that there would be just a natural, appropriate division of things that therefore is not necessarily good or bad. And I, I, I'm going to just kind of underline this again. What Ryan stated was that the problem with A and B is not that A is different than B, but that A or B, um, one or both, is somehow different from the ideals that Jesus Christ has founded his yeah. church upon. So the truth of the gospel the authority of the scriptures, yes. um, the basis for salvation, kind of those key critical points. That's that's the deviation yeah, that we should repent of, and that what we're trying to unite is not first and foremost people, but we're trying to unite to a to, to the head, right. <laughs> right? Let's use right. the let's use the language of the yeah. of the scriptures. There is one head, and that is Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, as we unite to Him, we then naturally fold in yeah there's yeah. with the, each other you start to integrate so it's not uh, you know baptist church versus methodist church it's baptist church in relation to christ as the head it's methodist church in relation to christ as the head now in the end i would say if no, those are in the same neighborhood in edmund as they grow closer to christ they probably ought to grow closer to one another and the differences should start to fall away a little bit sure. so therein you might have some of the the darker side of denominationalism creeping in and it's okay so why if we're both trying to be faithful to god and we live in the same culture and the same socioeconomic strata and we speak the same language why do we still have some very fundamental differences and the truth is it might be because that is permissible on secondary and tertiary issues okay 
or it might be because one of us is failing on those primary issues to hold to the standard. Okay. Um, Drew, yeah, seems like you want to say yeah, something. So I, I just think we asked the question, are denominations good or bad? And, and I really think there's, it depends on what specific issue you're talking about and what's going on. So uh, I think most of the time, neutral. It doesn't matter one way or the other in a lot of ways that I think of, again, Eagle Heights. Um, that is very similar to us, has a few small things that neither of us consider to be huge sure. that are different. Sure. And we go, that's, I would say their difference b- between them and us is, is minimal and not that big a deal. If, if, you know, it can be bad if we were to take those small little things. They don't, and I don't know if this is true or not, let's say a number of Baptist churches don't practice communion every week. Okay. And we go, and therefore they are not brothers with yep. us. Yep. And that's where it becomes, when we make a small thing a big thing, when yes. we make a secondary thing a primary thing, and we go, and therefore we do not consider them brothers. We may go, we don't believe that's the best way to practice. Yeah. That's why we do it here, and that's yep. why I that doesn't fit our here. convictions. Yes, yep. but, I'm not, but I'm not calling those people, I'm not going to call them not my brothers, you know. And then I would say, actually, there are a lot of times that denominations are a good thing, where I divide myself between our church and the disciples of Christ, and I need to be able to say, first Christian church in town, I need to be able to say, they are not us. Yeah. If they don't believe in the resurrection, and again, I, I don't even think we're talking about denominations there. Yeah. We're sure. talking about different religions. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we I divide with them on a primary issue, yes. very and, primary. And that's where we go. The Like you said, we're, the goal is not unity at unity all costs. The goal is not to unify people. Sure. The goal is to unify around the truth. Yes. And so the difference between us and disciples of Christ is not an issue of divisiveness or disunity. That's not what's going on there. The issue is is of truth, and we go, we will hold to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God who rose from the grave. Yeah, and and so we're not trying to divide over yeah. that. That's just who we are. So let's, uh, you know, I thought I'd, I'd deal with that almost more on the specific side of things. Um, so when we talk about denominations, and it's like, why can't we just all get along? I love the I love the desire or the intent of that, right? Which is, come on, guys. I mean, we're all on the same. We're all humans, right? Yeah. Like, why can't we just go to the least common denominator? least common denominator being, hey, we should care for one another. Yeah. Why can't that drive everything? And then all, let all of our doctrinal differences melt away, and let's kind of come under the doctrine of the goodness of humanity. Yeah. And or I'm even, going, well, I don't believe in the goodness of yeah, humanity. Yeah. So, I mean, we've, you've, you've got me wrong there. So, historically, um, Drew, you talked about the Reformation, but let's kind of move it between the Reformation and today. And I'm going to ask you, um, either one of you can jump in on this. So what are some of the major moves that have caused denominations? Drew, you've kind of alluded to one, yeah. but uh, I'll let you guys kind of bring it up, that really caused some people to go, hey, we cannot be on the same page anymore. Yeah. Like, we can't worship together. We can't um, we can't gather regularly and observe the Lord's Supper um, because of what are, what are some of the major things that have actually caused denominations? That is a that is a reason to. It's not divisiveness. It is causing an appropriate division. Paul says in Corinthians, "Hey, some division is necessary to kind of differentiate." Yeah. And so all divisions are not bad. Divisiveness is different. Divisiveness is a is an attitude which creates havoc where there shouldn't be havoc, where it creates strife where there should be peace. Mm-hmm. But division where there should be division, yeah, is actually appropriate. Early on, a number of church councils had to, to draw hard lines regarding the um, the divinity of Christ and his the the nature of his sonship and his his 
connectedness to the father hmm. and they had to draw a hard line and there were many who fell on one side and many who fell on the other and and i would say that's a primary issue worth dividing over yeah and then shortly thereafter they're having to settle on issues of the trinity and another important critical issue and uh and so early in early in probably the the what's known as the time of the church fathers basically from 150 a.d all the way up to maybe 500 ish um, they're settling some core doctrinal issues, not yeah. deciding them, yeah. but, but, uh, but fleshing out an expression of what, what, what has always been true in the scriptures or has always been true in and of God himself. They're trying to find a way to recognize these truths and understand what they mean for their lives now as followers of Jesus. And, and some will fall on, um, on many of those issues. There is a, a clear heretical side. It's not, it's not a flavor of Christianity side. It is a non-Christian side of that. And sure. so there was a lot of appropriate division early on as, say, Arius is condemned in these church councils. Yes, Marcion his, is condemned as a heretic yes. for his belief in those Nestorianism. Yes. So there's a number of beliefs that were literally discussed. Um, the scriptures were sought after. Yeah. Um, the leaders of the church communicated what they believed to be the right truth. Those that landed on the wrong side were were declared heretical, yeah. and then dealt with accordingly. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, they weren't all just killed. Everybody likes to describe that the church just killed all their just heretics. Just burning everyone at the stake. Yeah, the that's yeah. we yeah. go back and really read history, yeah. and you'll find out it's a lot more complicated than that. But so there are some divisions over yeah. the, you know, so that was that was way back then. Anything more recent that's really kind of been a big deal in the church. Um, you're, you're asking belief things or yeah, practice yeah, things. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously uh, this isn't too much further down the line, but, but a little bit further down the line issues of like the Lord's supper and what it actually is yeah. Yeah. and, and what it's actually. So are we saying, do we believe that the, that the elements, the bread and the wine are actually Jesus's body and blood? Mm -hmm. And then some people go, ah, that's that's crazy. But we really do believe that Jesus' pres uh, Jesus's presence is there with mm -hmm. the bread and the wine. And there's some people who go, no, no, even that's crazy. And we go, no, <laughs> all it is is a symbol, and it's yeah. just representative, which are, um, I guess, so semi-important issues. Those are good things for us to be thinking through and making sure, sure we're lining up sure. biblically. But again, what what some people did say well then you are not you're not part of our fellowship if yep. you actually think that yeah. that the presence is there or if you actually think this is just symbolic then you're not part of and that's where i think we took something that was good and important and good for us to work through and pushed too far in it yeah. and i really am okay again the denomination that can come at it where you go you okay you guys will worship together on sunday there and we'll worship here and i'm totally okay with it and i love you guys and you're our brothers and all those things it's when we say you're not and yeah, we want yeah. nothing to do with you. Yep. That's that's yep. where those things get pushed too far. Another issue is uh, pedo baptism versus credo baptism. Whether you baptize ch uh, like it's a, a faith like baptism for infants, or whether that baptism which is pedo baptism, pedo baptism, or credo baptism, creed meaning belief or yes, where you I, state it. it. Yes. Uh, so confession. upon confession, yeah. you will you're baptized. There have been uh, actually numerous denominations have been created because of that, and then split further because of that discussion itself. Every major denomination that existed in America in the 1860s split over the issue of slavery. Mm -hmm. um, and interestingly enough, except for one, and that was actually the Christian, the independent Christian church, yeah. the movement that we're a part of. Um, they did not divide over that. Sadly, over, over the next 30 or 40 years, they decided to divide over the instrument, 
well, and the go. use of the instrument in yeah. worship, yeah. Um, which actually, interestingly enough, had a bit of a north-south division to it. Yeah. And so it's a complicated issue, yeah. but sl- literally, so it's not just doctrinal things. Yeah. But you're saying, but it can even be didn't divide over it not because they were all like, oh, we're cool with slavery, but because they all determined together, we won't, we won't split on this. And Campbell yes. was the leader was get rid of, you know, we're yes. not going to have slaves and yes. those things. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it's it's kind of interesting how yeah. there really was. Um, th- th- there can be social issues. Yeah. yeah. T- real quick, Jim. Actually, I think it would be good to say some people kind of ask. So what what is Sunnybrook Christian Church. What is the Independent Christian Church? And really, our movement formed based around this question yeah. that we're asking yeah. today. This is this kind of question is what launched our movement. And so you yeah. want you want to give just yeah, a I'll give brief... a, I'll give a quick one. So um, our 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 history is we we would argue that we're not a denomination. And what we mean by that is, is that there is no formal headquarters. There is no uh, denominational organization for us. That we are, um, I jokingly, not jokingly, describe us as an independently owned and operated franchise. Um, hopefully Jesus is the owner <laughs> of us. But basically, as Ryan described, as uh, church elders and a local church autonomy under the authority of Scripture, under the authority of Jesus Christ, our head, is kind of how, how we are structured. And uh, we are from a group of churches that actually started in the... Uh, late 17, early 1800s, where there was a strong movement in uh, not just not just America, but a lot of it came out of this American frontier idealism. Yeah. Um, although some of our roots go back to some of our what we call our founding fathers, Alexander and Thomas Campbell, who were living in Scotland at the time, and were Presbyterian by nature. Mm-hmm. And their group were they were old light anti burger seceder Presbyterians. <laughs> And so just listen to that. There were old yeah. lights and new lights. There were burgers and anti-burgers, which had nothing to do with hamburger, by the way. <laughs> burgers and anti-burgers, and then seceders and non-seceders. And all of that actually had to do with how mayors and political uh, affiliations were structured in Scotland. <laughs> and so they were asking questions like, okay, what do we do when we go to a place? And they're still asking, are we old light or new light? And we're like, okay, we live in Ohio. <laughs> and so they really had to begin to wrestle with how do we take some of these ideas that existed in Scotland and then move them over here? And so Alexander, particularly, Thomas, weirdly enough, independently, the father, their father and son, um, they both just looked at the denominational ism, and I mean that on the negative side, the divisiveness, not the good divisions, but the divisiveness that was existing. They just said, we don't see these in scripture. Mm-hmm. They kind of, like Martin Luther, wanted to kind of continue the reformational ideas that we are going to build ourselves and surround ourselves on the scripture. They saw things like creeds, formal creeds, like the Westminster Confession of Faith and other things to be, they would say, somewhat divisive, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It, it seems to be asking things that the text don't ask and demand that the text doesn't seem to demand. And so if we just go back to the Bible, so that's the movement. Yeah. If we go back to the Bible, we believe that we can restore the New Testament church. And so that was the goal. And so their, their creed was no creed but Christ. And so let's get rid of the denominations. Let's just be called Christians. Mm-hmm. And so let's let's get rid of everything. And so um, that's kind of our has been our roots is that we don't want a denominational headquarters in Indianapolis. We don't want there to be someone, a pope, that's going yeah. to tell us what to do. The Word of God will actually speak to us, which has a Martin Luther and then an Alexander Campbell, yeah. you know, and, and, and many others. Yeah. Kind of have that same zeal and that same goal. Yeah. So if this is known as the Restoration Movement, how do we get from this frontier-like movement to 
the three thing, the three groups that came out of that, the Church of Christ, the Independent Christian Church, and the Disciples of Christ. Yeah, it comes really interesting enough, it comes down to kind of how they use the Scripture. So, you know, in a nutshell, I come from the Church of Christ background. It's kind of my parents were brought to faith in that. Um, a uh, When you read the Scriptures, you do what it says. You don't add to it. So they read silence as prohibition. And so particularly with things like, and, and this is what they've had some issues with, and every every church is different. So I'm speaking generally about a movement. Yeah. So your yeah. Church of Christ that you attend or that you might know may or may not even fit into these categories. Okay, yeah. But generally speaking, um, that when you don't see pianos, you shouldn't worship with, with one. When you don't see missionary organizations, you shouldn't develop one. When you don't see Sunday schools, you shouldn't start one. When you don't see paid ministers, you shouldn't hire one. Yeah, when you don't, don't see, see a kitchen say, in the in the literally, when you don't see a kitchen um, in the Bible, then you don't build one. Yeah. So all of those were specific issues, and you might laugh at one of them, but I can I can one appreciate where they're coming from, and then be disagree with mm-hmm. their conclusion. Yeah. So their goal the goal was, of all this was let's look at what the early church was and get as close to it as we possibly can. Try yes. to be like the church in Acts. Yeah. I don't see anywhere in Acts where an instrument is mentioned. Yes. So let's not have instruments. Yep. It says so, yeah. songs, sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Yep. And so therefore, when you add a piano to that, why would we add to the Word of God? Yeah. yeah. And so they read, literally, they read silence as prohibition, where yeah. we would read silence as we need to find it with wisdom, yeah. but yeah. we see more liberty. Yeah. yeah. Okay? Then uh, So there, that, that was kind of a, a major move that existed. L.L. Uh, L. Pinkerton was the first one in Lexington, Kentucky, that brought a piano into the church. And it kind of created a stir. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how that began. That was in the late 1800s. Um, and then the the next major move within our movement was the Disciples of Christ. And historically speaking, again, not all Disciples of Christ, but that one was a big one, you know, and that's the one that I would say is worth dividing over, which has to do with the understanding of the nature of Scripture yeah. fundamentally. Yeah. So can we read the Scriptures and trust it and see it as authoritative? Um and this isn't a new movement. This was, would have started actually in the 1600s, okay? Yeah. And then it begins to develop. And every denomination, every denomination, major denomination in the world, has split over their understanding of Scripture. Yeah. And so when you say Presbyterian and when you say Methodist, you're talking about those that that have a more tradition, let's say traditional understanding of, of Scripture, and then say more of a liberal understanding of Scripture. Right. You know, so I, I'm not trying, I'm trying to be careful with categories. Yeah. And I really always do. I always encourage people, don't just label someone, ask them what they think, yeah. and then everybody should be held accountable to their understanding of these things. Yep. So don't label people. But all of the denominations split over their understanding of Scripture. Um, and that is why, it's, it's interesting, that's why I believe I have more in common with a Presbyterian, which I may disagree on, like, paedo-baptism, and I may disagree uh-huh. on certain fine points, but at the core, yeah. which is what the Bible teaches, which then will naturally be their understanding of Jesus for salvation and their understanding of salvation by grace through faith and their understanding of all of those things are going to yeah. fall into play. And so I'm going to agree with a bunch of those things with a Presbyterian. Yeah. Where I would disagree, actually, with people that come more from my heritage, like the disciples of Christ, mm-hmm. who give up on, or I think give up on, some of the some of the core doctrines around Scripture, and I would say, yeah, we like I know we may have, I know we're cousins, but I'm actually closer to my neighbor Presbyterian, yeah, so yeah. to speak. And even that gets depending on which Presbyterian, right? Yes, <laughs> right. You, yeah. No, you're right so because first Presbyterian in Stillwater, we would say no, we fit them more in the yes. disciples of Christ category. Yeah. But yes. Grace, Grace Presbyterian. Yeah. 
They're they're our brothers. They're our brothers. You know? yeah. yeah. And so every every group has kind of gone through this. Every yeah. group has has wrestled with this, and that's why I would say, um, our denominations good or bad, and our d- denominations are good. <laughs> When there is a an appeal to Jesus for first and foremost right. through the scriptures, and as we to the best of our ability line up and get on that page, then I think that's why I can say to my brothers at Grace uh, Presbyterian, man, you're my brothers in Christ. Yeah. We we can even recommend our people go there. Yeah. Um, Eagle Heights Baptist, we can recommend our people go there. Um, we may have some differences in terms of like really small things, but worship style and maybe kind of how, how churches are organized with elders or not elders like life church and say, yeah, like, I mean, we have brothers and sisters there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when, when there are denominations that do not hold to the word of God, then we, we, we warn people, Hey, we're, we're fundamentally concerned about this, this group of people. Um, so it's, it's not as simple anymore. I mean, ever since in America, since the late 1800s, there, it's been complicated because it's not just about Presbyterians or Methodists or even independent Christian churches. It's what do they believe about the Bible. Yeah. So in a nutshell, what would you guys say, Drew, you do a lot with college students, so if I were to ask you, what advice would you give to somebody as they're looking for a church and how they view the denominational label? Um, any last words of yeah. advice that you would give yeah. to, to somebody in terms of just specific wisdom for them? Yeah, I usually, I, I, I don't say much in the way of look at, you know, the, the name on the sign of the denomination, those kinds of things. I don't say much. So I, I ask these questions. How often do you hear the name of Jesus coming up in the sermons? <laughs> sure. Those are great because you can spend a lot of these other churches that don't really value the scripture can spend a lot of time talking about how we need to love one another and how we ought to be kind and we ought to be good neighbors and all these things. And not really any of that is tied to Jesus because they've kind of chucked out the scriptures and yep. Jesus at, at the core of those things. And so I, I tell them, man, look for those things and, and, and so that's that's one of the key things. I usually give them things like Gospel Coalition churches. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll say, hey, the Gospel Coalition has a network of churches, and uh, Sunnybrook is kind of uh, connected on that, and, and look for those kinds of things, and, and those are churches you can trust. So, mm-hmm. Any final words, Ryan, that you would give on the denomination question? Um, well, just regarding finding, so say you move to Dallas and you're looking for, you know, am I, do I got to find the, the nearest independent Christian church and just replicate what I already have? You know, one of the questions that is at least worth asking, I'm not saying that I can answer it for you, but it's at least worth asking is if all of this is true and that there is a good side and a bad side to denominations, is it appropriate that I move somewhere and I'm willing to commute an hour to go to a church that just so happens to fit everything I want and check every single box perfectly and, and ignore that very healthy Christ worshiping church in my neighborhood where everybody I live near, like they attend and they worship. And and I think at least it has to be a a question on the table Hmm. where, like how connected in whatever church I land at, can I be to biblical community through not just on Sundays? Mm -hmm. And so it's where, you know, I've, I've never been a member of a Presbyterian church, but if I found myself living right next to a place like Grace, like we have here in Stillwater and, and, you know, uh, the the sunny brook of wherever I am is 45 minutes the other direction. I got to at least give that a shot and yeah. ask if I can be faithful here and, sure. and live, you know, in a, in a faithful community seven days a week instead of three hours on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Which is interesting because uh, uh, let me, let me close with this because I love our heritage. 
I do. I'm very grateful for our heritage. But you know, want to know why? I'm great personally because I think it lines up with Scripture. Mm. Like I'm in that sense, it's weird. I feel like I'm more of a Alexander Campbell heart person by being less of an Alexander Campbell heart person, huh. right? Yeah. He so wanted to be about Jesus and not about the denomination. And I want to say to that, amen, Alexander, you got it right. Me too. And so that's kind of what you're even appealing to, which is, hey, I want to go back to the Bible, and I want to, I want to continue to pr- pursue these things. Therefore, I will not make it about Sunnybrook Christian Church. I'll make it about Jesus. And so I think we can, uh, coming from our own heritage, be more in line with our thinking by being less denominational about it. And to love the Savior that um, owns the church, that is head of the church, to love the book that is our book, and to pursue that at all cost is um, what unites us across the board. And if not, then um, it should properly divide us. Okay. Hopefully that helps. Um, Would love to continue this faith conversation. I'm going to give you one last reminder. Before you assume what somebody else believes by the label that they may at some level be attached to, ask them first, hey, what do you believe about the Bible? What do you believe about Jesus? Let them speak. Um, That is what we should all do.